Welcome to the Spitball Sessions. Prepare to enter the world of mechanics, the future of game creation, the evolution of design. With your two hosts, Josh Noyes and Luke Boulay, this is the dawning of the new age of remakes. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Spitball Sessions, a gaming concept podcast with no apparent purpose or precipitation. I'm not quite sure. I'm Luke Belay, and I'll be your host for this session. I'm joined by a resident editor and wrestling fanatic, Josh. How are things, Josh? Bow down to the queens. Queens, plural? Yes. I think there's only one here. Well, I was talking about Queen's Quest, the stardom faction. I thought I'm, run- I'm running out of uh, I'm running out of wrestling catchphrases. I may have to go find some more. Or <clears> we could <throat> just let this one die. Just a thought. We've made it this far. <laughs> You've made it this far. As an explanation of what we're trying to achieve here, this podcast exists as a means to examine games and discuss their nuances. Mostly, though, it devolves into nonsense, segued into nonsense. Yes. Okay, so uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, an odd one. This one actually was provided by Josh as a uh, a concept uh, to talk about uh, the big daddy, the big daddy pro- problem, otherwise known as passive aggression. Passive, yes. Uh, so a lot of this was me t- thinking about the. <clears throat> I was working on an article at one point about back back when we were writing for Neon Cheetahs. What over a year ago at this point? Oh, wow, has it really been that long? Well, I started the article over a year ago. Um, <laughs> Probably does not make you feel good. Eh, it's okay. <clears throat> uh, no, yeah, because I started writing that back in January of 2017. So that tells you something. Mm. Um, but yeah, the site's only the site's only been four was only four months old, gone. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but anyway, so it was about the uh, the fact that the big daddy as an enemy in Bioshock and you've played Bioshock I've played Bioshock yeah uh, for those of us who haven't played Bioshock why don't you give a quick summary of what the big daddy is uh the okay so one of the uh, fundamental things in the game is uh, hunting for Adam yeah and you can uh, gather it from little children that uh, hang out in holes in the walls they are protected by a creature called the Big Daddy. They usually march around levels uh, doing their own thing, not really bothering anyone, yep. uh, until they come across one of these children. I forget what they're called. Uh, little Sisters. The Little Sisters. That's correct. Correct. Um, and then they guard the Little Sisters as they go about doing whatever they want to do. and Which mostly involves stabbing people with giant needles well, and dead bodies. Adam they, out of them. They, yeah, they, they extract uh, Adam out of uh, corpses in the game. The the little sisters do. And the entire time, the big daddies just follow them around. And you can, you can walk right by them. Nothing will happen. But if you do anything to threaten the little sisters, yeah. the big daddies will go after you. And that's when you have a bad time. Yes, exactly. And... I find that there is something about the Big Daddies that I find sort of singular that I haven't really seen in a lot of other games. This idea of, you know, as I called it, passive aggression, which is not not passive aggressive in the sense of somebody who's being like, oh, is that what you think? But in the sense of a character that is harmless to you until you do something to provoke it in a way that that isn't just a simple walking, like, you know, Enemies in Skyrim, enemies in Far Cry, enemies in a lot of those kinds of games. If you go within a certain, let's call it, bounding box, because I believe that's 
how they refer to it. You know, if you go within that distance, you know, you will quote unquote trigger the enemies and they will start attacking you. But the idea of a character that is completely harmless and completely passive and will not deal with you and that you could go through the entire game without fighting any of them if you choose to is sort of a singular thing. And then the fact that they immediately turn aggressive once you start doing something that causes them to, you know, sort of, sort of that, that paternal or, or maternal, you know, that, that, that papa bear, mama bear type thing is sort of not really all that common in, in most games. And I think it would be interesting to see, you know, and, and my thought was at the time, is it solely because of the, the theming of that character and, and the monster and how it works? Or is it something about the way that these kinds of games work that mechanically make it difficult to do? Mm. Well, uh, I, I was trying to think about other games that do something similar to that. And I can find things that are kind of similar in that, like there's a behavioral element that, that makes them less apt to attack you. Um, but it's kind of a, a rare thing. Yeah. Um, as an example, one of the first things that came to mind is that that um, <clears throat> uh, that roguelike game, one of the roguelikes that we've been playing more recently, is it Adom? Yeah. Um, where in some of the dungeons, you will actually come across friendlies, and their health bar, I think, is green instead of red. Right. To, to indicate that they're, they're absolutely harmless to you. And then there's also orange, which means that they're not... They don't see you as a threat right now, but they could flip. That's true. Um, and it kind of has the same feeling, but it's all mechanical. It it, it doesn't. I think you kind of have to have both. Um, the with, theme and the mechanics. The theme and yeah. the mechanics, because with the big daddies, the way that you're introduced to them in the game, you're given this impression that they are dangerous. Yep. And well, with the other game, you can choose to engage. Um, targets and they're not necessarily like more powerful than you. I, I think the I think the other thing that makes the big daddy sort well I think there's two other things that make the big daddy sort of unique. One is that there like you said there is that sort of primal fear about them. They are these big monstrous ugly looking creatures. They are kind of weird looking. Right. And and that that's so good about establishing that sense of fear that even when you're equipped to handle one later yeah. on in the game you still kind of second guess whether or not you should but take but, them on. But they're also sort of like whales in that, you know, whales are big, they're intimidating looking, but they're actually, you know, when you leave them alone, they're actually completely harmless. Mm -hmm. Like, they're just big and intimidating looking. And, and the big daddies are sort of the same way. And that sort of leads to the other side of the, or the other half of this, which is the big daddies are almost sad. Like, you almost, like, you feel bad it, you know, the only other monsters that I think this is true of is the Colossi in Shadow of Colossus, which actually is probably the other the other game that kind of does the same thing. Well, uh, yes and no. I don't I don't think you technically have, uh, with one exception, I think there's one big daddy in, in the game, which later on you run into, uh, that you have to defeat to pass. Right. But uh, for the most part, like Shadow of the Colossus, each one of those Colossi has to be faced. Oh, no, no. To I'm, progress the story. I, I'm just saying that both of them in that way are when you kill them, you feel like, man, I feel bad about... Like, you feel sympathy for the characters in a way that mm. you don't for a lot of enemies in a lot of games. That's because true. it is this... It is kind of like whales. It's like there are these big, bulky, lumbering creatures that are just scary... Be that are 
harmless but intimidating. I mean, they're not harmless. They can kill you very, very easily, but they're harmless if you are not antagonizing them. Mm -hmm. Um, They, you know, they keep to themselves. They don't want. They don't want to fight. And and there's also the fact that, um, and that's coupled with the fact that they're usually acting to protect the little sister. So if you're fighting one, it's because you're You're up to bad things. Yeah, you're already doing something a bit questionable. So there's a level of guilt that's applied with exactly one of those. And 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 that and I think it's that combination of the two. That combination of the the mecha- like you were saying the, that combination of the mechanical switch there, like like an Adam, but also that sort of theming of there does I think need to be this feeling of. <clears throat> I'm the one who's the bad guy if I push this. Do you know what that also reminds me of in a way, uh, mechanically at least, and a little bit in the theming? A lot of MMOs do this Mm. as well as, uh, what is it, the Xenoblade 2, I've noticed this as Mm. well, where they have uh, advanced level uh, mobs in the Mm. open world that you don't usually engage, or like, I don't know, several levels beyond the local fauna. Yep. And you can still... Uh, you can attract their attention if you're stupid, but their aggro range is usually so narrow that it's, you actually have to like practically kick them in the knees. Right. Because a lot of those games will do that. Well, they their self scaling aggro range is so like big bosses or big things that are out there in the world wandering around. Yeah. Uh, you have to get really close to trip them. So it's kind of like you're very easy to avoid. They're not really harmful unless you're either stupid or you actually want to engage it. Yeah, that's true. I think there's there's some of the some of the wild hunts in in Final Fantasy uh, twelve are kind of the same way where you have to go through an immense amount of work to even get some of them to show up, and even then they won't necessarily attack you until you get within a certain range, or you engage them if they happen to be passive, right? Or you engage them. So yeah, I guess I guess when you're saying that there are, there are a few games that that have done similar ideas, um, but I would like you know. It is something I would like to see, and it's, and it's certainly something that really only seems to factor into these. I mean, you know, we're talking about a couple of J, we're, we're talking about a couple of JRPGs and and a couple of first person shooters, but it, you know, it feels like most games, especially when you get into shooters, are all just attack everything you see, attack everything you see, attack everything you see, and I really would like to see a little bit more of that. Whether it be in shooters or not, I'd like to see a bit more of that sort of question of should I be doing this. Um, you know, and, and I think one really obvious one, I mean, because it's almost a literal direct option, obvious uh, analogy is like mother bear. Like, you know, if you're, you know, if you're in a game and you have like cubs and if you start messing with the cubs, the mother bear comes out and starts attacking you. That's a pretty obvious, uh, you know, like in like a Minecrafty type game. Yeah, well, I was thinking of... Um... <clears throat> In that in that way, it's kind of like um, I would like to see a game with like a very elaborate ecology. Yeah, where, where it's not like like as an example, um, Subnautica. Mm-hmm. There, there is a bit of a, a, a an ecology there, but most of the stuff is either geared, you know, passively or aggressively to you. There's not very many happy mediums. There's a couple right. of things that will defend territory, but. It'd be kind of interesting to see so, sort of more of an elaborate. Yeah, actually, defending territory would even be like even that's pretty rare. That that would actually be a really interesting one to see. Yeah, where 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 uh, there'd be different creatures with different behaviors. Yep. Certain things foraging for food. Certain things doing different things. And for for different reasons, they might engage 
with you in different ways. So it's because like a lot of games and a lot of survival games, the idea is is how to exploit things for resources. Yeah. And usually they don't think beyond like most of these things are either going to run away from you or attack you yep. because they only they build the the world around the whole concept of exploiting it for resources and how things react to being exploited. Yeah. And they don't think about like building a complex ecology that in one way or another continues to function regardless of what you do. I mean, even something like, um, you know, even something like Minecraft could actually do that where, you know, you could have the zombies and the skeletons as sort of roving mobs. You know, I've even said before, I'd love to see the zombies actually aggressively pursue you where like, you know, you actually have to start building walls and like start Mm -hmm. thinking about your fort as a fort because the, the zombies will actually aggressively try to come at you and, and building up defenses would actually be helpful. Uh, you know, and then you sort of have skeletons wandering around in, in, the, in the near term. But then you could have like spiders who could be, you know, very much like that sort of, you know, territory. Like they have webs or, or, or hang out in like forested areas. And like they don't – they will pursue you to the edges of the forest, but they won't pursue you past that. For example, or or conceivably like that, there would be a a bio cycle with the spiders. Where, uh, I mean, like technically speaking, they spawn at night, right? And they're they're aggressive at night. And during the day, they just wander around. But why not take that a step further? That that they they are territorial or something mm-hmm. like that, or they go out on certain times to hunt and then they return to their nest instead of just wandering yeah, around. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, and that so each one has like a dedicated <laughs> nesting spot. And if you get caught up in the nesting spot, they tangle you up in their stuff and then they eat you. Yeah. I that would be kind of cool, having something just a little more elaborate, more more story driven behavior. Yeah. Which could lead to situations where it's like, Oh yeah, there's tons of spiders over here. But if we're careful and we do these certain things, we and, can avoid it uh bad. It would make the game a little more complex, but I don't think it would make it like I don't think it would be program programmatically you know, unsustainable. Like, I feel like that would, it would add a little bit more complexity, but not enough that I think it would cause it to be impossible to run that at that point. Right. Um, which I think is a really interesting balance as well. Um, yeah, no, I, I can't think of any reason that that wouldn't work. Um, actually, yeah. Hmm. I think, I mean, I think you could do that with, with several of those sort of uh, survival style games. I mean, even... Uh, you know, even even something like a Terraria could. Have, I mean, even, well, Terraria, I guess, does have some sort of semi-territorial creatures, like uh, a lot of the jungle stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, but again, that's kind of like it's just like uh, the thing about that is it's kind of like biome driven. Mm-hmm. Like the things in one biome generally occur in that biome. Like uh, as an example, what might be kind of fun is that, like if you're near a desert biome, mm-hmm. why not have the occasional raid of sand bugs? Actually, you know what game does do this? What's that? The Flame and the Flood. Oh, really? Well, sort of. Uh, I mean, because obviously it's it's all a bunch of islands, so animals are semi-territorial because they're stuck on those islands. But there are like the boars that. As long as you stay out, like, they will be aggressive and, and pursue you, but if you stay out of their ter- territory, they will leave you alone. Uh-huh. Um, once once you trigger them, they are super aggressive. Right. But if you don't trigger them, they are not aggressive at all. They will just let you be. Which is, you know, it's still a little bit more on-off than, than, than I think we're talking, but not much more on-off than we're talking. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would, that would actually be a pretty good one. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just taking a quick look over my... Uh, oh, I, <coughs> there is actually one other that I have in my Steam library that does kind of do that same thing you're talking about. What's that? And it's one of your wife's favorite games. Hmm? Slime Rancher. Oh, yeah. Where you have the, like, the, the angry underground slimes are ter- very territorial. Yes. Um, um, that's true. Uh, and certain slimes behave in certain ways. Yes. Uh, and it's dependent on how they... they... Yeah. It's still very, fl- you know, it's either aggressive or passive. There aren't a lot that are, you know, mm-hmm. aggressive until a certain point. But I, I think that's that's also a really good one. And also, I, I do love... I love the fact, while we're speaking of Slime World real quick, or Slime Rancher real quick, I do love the fact that the uh, the rock slimes that charge you, they just... the, the uh, the wiki for it basically says, or the in-game wiki basically says that it's because they like to play around and they don't know their own strength. <laughs> yeah. So they just like run into you and go, boom, because they're trying to give you a hug. <laughs> yeah. And they don't realize that they have spikes on the top of their head. Yes. And they're causing trauma and yes, pain. And it hurts. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a really cute explanation for that. Um, and I think another game, you know, actually going back to a game that we actually discussed months and months and months and months and months ago, uh, a game based on Homeward Bound. Like you could have, you know, animals. Right. You know, I think this game would work very well with animals where you had, you know, you come across a, a nest of, of bears or of, of mountain lions or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the cubs are very are very friendly with you. And if you don't cause them any problems, you know, the mother lion will take you in and let you shelter there. But if you cause issues, then, you know, you get attacked and chased out. Yeah. Um, Tokyo Jungle actually could have done something like that, but it didn't. But it Yeah, could have. well, Tokyo, Tokyo Jungle, I think, was a little too... Um... It, was, it was everything was either... All, all carnivores would eat you and all non-carnivores would not eat you. Um, yeah, exactly. Again, it's very off and on. With the, it's very with off the and AI. on. Although it, it, that does kind of feel realistic in a way. Yeah, I mean, well... It is a very simple model of yes. of a of an ecology that exists on on exactly. Earth. That is, things like to eat they, you, they or least, they like to run away from you. It's usually not in between. Yeah, they they, they were at least going for it. Mm-hmm. They they really went for it in that game. That game is insane. Uh, well, there's also like creatures like the honey badger. Everyone knows about that, um, which is just aggressively territorial. Yes, they'll they'll they will hurt you yeah. um, if you bother them and they're relentless too. yes honey, honey badgers killer bees there are there are a few creatures that are never Beavers, apparently yeah there are a few creatures you just don't want to mess with mm-hmm. um but yeah otherwise i you know but yeah i think actually territorial things would actually be in and would, would actually be a really interesting alternative way to, to do some of that stuff and, and really like territorial stuff i i mean again i don't know that much about game programming but like, I don't know that it would work great in 3D type areas, but in, especially in like, you know, 2D game or, or games built around like JRPGs and stuff would totally work because you would have, you know, different regions, different parts of regions where things could sort of pursue you out of like forests or deserts or whatever. I was just thinking about like stuff like posturing, like mm. elephants as an example, they'll, they'll run at you. Yeah. And if you run away, they'll chase you. Yeah. But if you hold your ground, they don't. Right. There's a lot of animals that behave that way in one way or another. They'll like bears will stand up and they'll they'll if they're if they feel threatened, they will try to threaten back. They'll try to scare you away. Um, A lot of animals have mechanisms that say, hey, 
I don't want to fight you. Get out of my face. Which actually the um, the the big daddies actually do that. Like they will give you like if you get too near the little sister the first couple of times. They will threaten. They will. Yeah, they will threaten you without actually hurting you, which I think that actually may be the thing is that that sort of third state may be the thing that that actually that really helps. really yeah. makes it work. Because like, yeah, if you're playing a standard first person shooter, you've either got or, or like your Far Cries, you've got not seeing you. Or seeing you, and then they mm-hmm. call their buddies, and then they start shooting. But there's no like, oh, you're getting a little too close. Actually, there is one game that doesn't. Mm-hmm. But you're the bad. You're technically the bad guy in that game, which is Hitman. Okay. I mean, Hitman will be like, they'll be like, hey, buddy, you're not supposed to be in here. You're, you, dude, you, dude, get out, get out. You're not. You're, this is off limits, dude. You know, we're not. We don't allow people like you in here. And then if if you keep going into a restricted zone, then you start getting shot at, which is realistic. Yeah. Um. Actually, I guess games like like Deus Ex might do it too. I haven't played enough Deus Ex to know. Um, There's like security zones. Secured and- zones, but I feel like most of those like you trip them and they start shooting. But I I bet there is a ways that you could do it where they don't start shooting, where they warn you a few times first, like dude, get out of here. Like, yeah. You're not supposed to be in this zone. Um. Yeah, but I think Hitman does it really well. And Hitman is also a game, you know, sort of, sort of like the, sort of like Bioshock, where you are constantly on alert for that kind of thing. Where, you know, if you're going into this place where you're not supposed to be there, you kind of already know. Like either you've accidentally wandered in there because you don't remember where you're going, in which case you're like, oh crap, I got to get out of here. I'm not supposed to be here. Or you know you're not supposed to be in there, and you're deliberately doing something to provoke them. So like, right. which is kind of like the Big Daddy thing. It's like either, whoops, I didn't know I was supposed to be here. And you're like, oh, sorry, I'll back off. Or you're like, no, I'm I'm coming for you, and you're, you know, and I'm, I'm. And one of us going is toast. In all, yeah, and one <laughs> of us is toast. Um, which actually is is actually probably like the right way of handling that. Um, so so that I think maybe another aspect of of that is, you know, while they they don't technically work the same in practice, they are kind of the same in in the underpinning idea. Yeah. Um, which now that I'm thinking about that, I guess, yeah, there are some games where they do have like restricted type zones, but that doesn't quite feel the same. Like you need some personality there to, to really make that work. Yeah. You ha- definitely have to s- set up the theming for yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like that, that's definitely one where I think the, the theme really drives the mechanics a lot. Okay. So what do we want to do with this then? I don't know. I think we've we've come up with a couple of good ideas for games that would work with it, um, or or ideas that would work with games. Uh, so I I don't know. I think if we wanted to make an enemy like that that worked, I mean we have we have the wildlife. I was kind of thinking of also uh, as another good example um, the the Xeno whatever that is from um, Alpha Centauri. Oh yes, the uh, the the Xenofungus. So, yeah, that. That actually kind of kind of makes me think about that as well. A constant encroaching mm, thing that in a strategy game it 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 puts a steady pressure on you without being like yeah that's true. It's different. I love how that's handled because it's not like like they were trying to do something that was similar to the pirates, not yes, the pirates, uh, but the, the barbarians, the barbarians, and and Civ. Yeah, I think they kind of like nailed it right on the head because even though it's like still unit based, it's still. Uh, it's far more organic in how yeah. it behaves. Yeah, and and the fact that it is basically uncontrollable unless you're playing a certain faction, right? Um, really makes that an interesting thing. Yeah, yeah. I I that. 
Yeah, I mean, in, it, it, it's similar in, in, in scope, if not necessarily in, in how they apply it. But yeah, yeah, that's actually a really interesting thought. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to really think how you really, I mean, and this is probably the problem, and this is sort of why I broached it in the first place, is like you can easily see why it's a problem to implement. The question is, where do you implement something like this, and where does it make sense? I guess it really depends on on the game. Yeah. Like, like I could see doing something in that that bioorganic way of like um, a, an idea of a balancing act between like say building a game where you're building something yep. and you have to clear space, but you're clearing it out of the mm. biomass or something like that. And if you do too much too fast, then the whole biomass turns against you because you're doing a lot of damage. Yeah. So you're trying to both grow and build so that you have more resources to to build more, but you have to be careful not to trigger a massive cascade response that would just completely obliterate That's true. you. That'd be kind of interesting because like the threat is the threat is that what you're working against, and if you go too quickly, then you could you could tr- trigger a big daddy style response. Sort of sort of like the bugs in Factorio, except they are definitely not passive aggressive. They are aggressive aggressive they once, are you, aggressive trigger aggressive. Them, once Actually, you trigger them. Yeah, that, that that that's something we probably should have brought up. Uh in a lot of ways the um that's definitely a, a case of theming over mechanics. Yeah. The mechanics are very basic. It's just on off with a regular trigger that steps up the more yep. pollution you start generating, or if you or if you act aggressively, right? Yeah. But the theming makes it feel like this constant passive threat. Yeah, you? and it's yeah, it's really it can get really nerve wracking sometimes with the with the bugs in Factorio. So I guess in conclusion, it's definitely a balancing act between theming and and mechanics to give you some sort of threat that's not immediate. Mm. And there has to be consideration. It can't just be like a straight up, straight up, um, a straight up enemy that's just there that you have to face off with. I mean, um, there is talk about the 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 presented threat uh, that sometimes occurs in games where they show you something that you know later on down the line you're going to have to fight. Yeah. But I like the idea of kind of like building a world that doesn't have to kill you oh i remember what i was thinking go for it um so the turrets and portal oh yeah would we consider those passive aggressive i don't think we would no i was thinking about portal in this in this guys i'm not sure anything falls under that category but could we put something in that does feel like that let's see here that's a good question i mean i i think there are things you could do where like you have the turrets that like you have you have the turrets that are aggressive Mm-hmm. But there has to be some sort of a way of if you had the third of a third portal game where you have these things where like they they leave you alone until you get close like it would have to be like they leave you alone until you get close to solving the puzzle. Well, no, well, that's the thing though. Well, that's actually not a bad idea. <coughs> Expanded, um, like um, like a countermeasure against completing it. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking of the fact that most of the threats in that game do a great job of very subtly being passively aggressive. That's true. Because there's a lot of stuff that's absolutely lethal in that game, but, like, technically speaking, won't kill you unless you're being stupid or do something to, yeah, to like in a way, take it up, or jumping in front of one of the, the disintegrator balls. Yeah. Um, or, or, the, or the falling in through the laser grids. Yeah there's, yeah. there's a ton of ways to get yourself good and killed in that game, which, 
you know, that's true. And 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 a lot of them are act- are sort of like that thing about the territory, your your territorial concept earlier. Like they're not, they aren't they they aren't bosses. They are way they, they're almost like directional waypoints. Like mm-hmm. you've gone off the map. You're not where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And then, and that's actually a really interesting thing. And I mean, you could actually sort of, I guess, look at the big daddies in a similar way. Like they are. You're not supposed to be here, buddy. Get out of here. Um, you know, stay away. So yeah, I, I I guess that actually does like, you know, I hate to come back, keep coming back to it, but Portal Two is probably one of the best design game, or or the Portal series is probably one of the best designed games there is. It's, it's in a, terms of like real subtle stuff like that. It's amazing that they they were man- managed to take a uh, a very simple concept, narbuc narbuncular drop or yeah. whatever that game is narbuncular called. Narbuncular drop, yeah. And add to it with uh, the understanding of less is more the entire time. Yeah. Everything that they did was very polished, very refined. Very stripped down. And in a lot of ways, like, like similar to the Big Daddy, like, I would say almost, like, primal in a weird way. Like, everything feels like a very, like, like almost archetypal. A clear cut what happens when you do this yeah. or that. But also, like, it, there doesn't feel like there's any one of them that you could take out. Like, all of those things just naturally make sense in that game. And, like, not like there are a lot of games where I'm like, oh, you could take this out or you could add this. Like, I don't ever feel in Portal like, oh, they should have added this feature or they should have removed this feature. Like, everything just, everything feels perfectly sewed together mm. in a way that, like, you know, we've talked about a lot of games in this thing where, oh, they could have added this or, oh, they could have taken this out or, oh, they could have done like, I can't think of anything in Portal, aside from more levels, where I say, no, yeah. this really needed to be there. That, that's what I, I see about Portal is, like, Portal 2, they did the, the intelligent thing of, like, uh, the things they did add to it weren't necessarily, like, improvements in that way that they just add clutter. Yeah. They added a multiplayer feature, a cooperative multiplayer yeah. feature that was amazing. But even just, like, the paints... The balls, the, the like the energy stuff, like all of that yeah. just feels very natural and core. Exactly. And and actually, I mean, if you want to see a great example of how of how carefully that stuff was clearly thought through, just go out and try like fan made levels, and you will quickly see that like no, coming up with portal puzzles is actually really freaking hard. Yeah, like really actually, hard. Uh, I just threw in a, as a pitch concept puzzle design, and I really want yeah, to talk about. Yeah, we should definitely kind of talk about portal in that context. Portal level design is is a very interesting thing that I got a few things I want to talk about. You, you should you should try making a few before we do that. But yes, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Because I've made a few, and I have definitely have some thoughts after having done that. But it would mm. be interesting to see your thoughts after having but made because I know you've played a bunch. I've played a bunch. I've actually played around with making it. I have a few issues with the the built in editor. It's not perfect, but yeah. as a quick way to make a le- make a level, if you have a good idea, it's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot there that I definitely want to talk about. I need to get back to doing this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We should. We, we we will definitely have to cover puzzle design at a later date because yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Okay. Uh, with that, I think we're gonna move on to the mouthwash. Sure. Swish, swish, people. Swish, swish, swish. Yes. <laughs> All right. 
and I gotta. I am recording now, man. <laughs> Fantastic. And welcome back to the mouthwash, where we spit fiery hot truths like arrows. Napalm. Yes, where we spit fiery hot truths like arrows from the bow of Lady Justice herself, along with just a hint of minty freshness. Minty. And in this case, uh, we're also going to be doing it with a bit of hammery freshness and a bit of quappy freshness and a bit of uh, sports friends freshness, because we're going to be talking about... This is part two, let's say, the revisiting, uh, which actually we did last March, uh, an episode about difficulty, uh, Mm -hmm. which is our lost episode. Uh, So we're revisiting that, and we're going to be revisiting it a little bit in the context of uh, Bennett Foddy. Oh, I hate that guy. Yeah, I know. Uh, a very nice, as far as I can tell, a very nice. Uh, oh yeah, he's he's great. I, I've seen videos of him. Oh, I have not playing his own game. Oh jeepers, that must be. I may have to watch that. That you, you'll be. have to. It's it's quite entertaining. Um, but he he is best known. I would actually I would say he is probably best known for uh, Quop. Yes, best known for Quop, uh, and also pole riders from the Sports Friend games. And mm-hmm. then, uh, oh, he has two other games. I remember I the Pole Riders game. That Pole one was, was fun. That was fun. I would say that that is probably his least punishing game that I have played. That one's actually yeah. really f- enjoyable. Uh, it's but, good when you're playing with other people, too. But but also, you know, like all of his games, really oddly based on weird, wacky physics. Yeah, some sort of strange, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ambulant yes. mechanics. It's, it's basically you're running around with a floppy javelin. Ah, um, uh, don't say that to the public. That just sounds so wrong. <laughs> okay, you're trying to hit a ball with a flap with a floppy javelin. <laughs> that that makes it so much better, Josh. <laughs> well, you know, there's only so much I can do about the the, the concept. Uh, and then his most recent game that I've been playing, also involving weird naked men with odd uh, things that they're holding. I, I'm starting to detect a fetish here. <laughs> only Bennett Fotties. <laughs> only Bennett Fotties. Yeah, um, you're the one who plays the games. So, sorry, yo. I was not going to comment. <laughs> so, uh, also involving uh, weird men holding weird objects. Yeah, um, let, let's just be clear here. And Bennett Foddy's getting over it. You're playing the role of at, at least said the half name of the naked. Game. Oh, well, we just did. Okay. We're talking about Bennett Foddy's getting over it. Thank you. Uh, uh, at least a half naked guy in a big cast iron pot. Cauldron, yeah. Cauldron with a Yosemite hammer. Yep. And, uh, you use that hammer to propel yourself across the ground. It's not as simple as it sounds. No, no, it's not. Uh, I am going to cut in the uh, the trailer here because that trailer makes me laugh every single time I watch it. Which tra- oh, you used the audio for a minute. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I may cut that in because um, yeah, that like I think I think that trailer really sums up his philosophy on game design as a whole. Um, where he talks about, you know, since success is delicious, that probably would have been a better choice. Uh, and then he talks about how he made this game for a certain kind of person to hurt them. And, and that is so true. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, let, let's not dance around the topic. Let's not make any bones about this. That game is clearly designed. He is correct when he says that game is designed to hurt a certain kind of person. And I am one of those certain kinds of people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think most people most people in the world have heard of Quop. Uh, Quop is that game that has been on the internet. It was on. The, it started in I think it was like 2009, 2011, somewhere in that area. Yeah. Uh, actually, I can I have the Wikipedia article open. Let me check real quick. It kind of started out uh, as a flash game. It was a flash game where you uh, play a runner, 
and the Q and W control his calves, and the O and P control his le- uh, his ankles, or vice versa. Um, and you were trying to run, and most people make it about seven, maybe ten meters. It's a hundred. Yeah. You know, you're running the hundred meter dash. Um, mm-hmm. I've made it forty eight, and I was extremely proud of myself. Yeah, I think I made twenty four. It's really. It's challenging. It is one of the hardest games I've ever played. It's so because what 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 really makes it difficult is because of the way the mechanics work. You are trying to take something that seems natural, yeah, and he maps it to a completely different interface. And so yeah. when you're actually trying to manipulate limbs in this way, the results are. Well, let's say they're a little Lovecraft in their response. I was going to say it tends to end with you falling flat on the top of your head. Yeah, that that happens Um, quite often. But, you know, and this is something we've talked about before when we talk about sports games. The mechanics feel, they may not be perfect. I don't know. But they feel so close to perfect and so close to accurate to how, like, an actual human role. Like, when you're doing it right, it looks exactly like a man run. Like it feels like a man running. It looks like a man running. It feels right in that way that sports games do, which makes it so much more frustrating when you do it wrong, because mm-hmm. you know, oh crap! I on the seventeenth step, I put, I took a quarter of, a, I held that P key down for a quarter of a second too long, and I completely ruined it. And it's not even going to go bad for another ten steps, but you can immediately tell that your your gate is off. Yeah. And, and then it's so hard to get your gate back. And sometimes you can recover it, but most of the time you can't. Like, you're like, it, it's that feeling of, oh, I'm stumbling and I'm trying to hold on and boom, crash. That we've all, ex- that everybody has experienced of catching your toe on something. Mm-hmm. And it, Quop is, fr- Quop is extremely frustrated, but somehow Quop doesn't frustrate me as much as getting over it. I will say that now. Like, Quop is frustrating, but... Like, I can walk away from Quop and then go back to it every few months and be like, all right, I'm going to try it again. Maybe this time I'll get a little further. And usually I get a little further. Usually I do a little better. But it doesn't It doesn't have that call. It doesn't have that, that gnawing feeling that getting over it does. Like, getting over it, con- I, would say, I will say, getting over it, Dark Souls, there are a couple of other games like this that just, uh, Toho to some extent, that are just this constant calling in the back of your mind, like, you walked away, you didn't beat us, you let us win. And then it's just like, oh, I need, I need to do this. I think I talked about some of that in that article that I wrote a couple weeks ago. But I think there is something to that feeling of, like, I need to do this. Yeah, I actually, actually, I have um, Bennett Foddy, uh, a picture from there in that yeah that uh they they nurture this urge of uh of, of difficulty you know and, and i think my my uh overall feeling about this matter is summed up in, in this paragraph which is i own a casio keyboard if i want to hear my keyboard play music i need to learn that song practice it and then play it anytime i want to hear it i never have because i could find it on spotify the way people you know, the same way that people who don't have that urge to make music do. The people who have that urge make music even when it's hard for them. And likewise, like, for me, that's what games are. Like, some people enjoy watching games on YouTube. 
sometimes I do for certain games, but for the most part, I don't because I have that urge that, you know, call it broken, call it whatever you want, but that urge of that game is hard. It is calling to me. I have to try it. I have to do it. I have to beat it. I have to scale that mountain. Mm -hmm. You know, I think Kerbal is another game that sort of does that from a slightly different direction, but that same sort of, I can't watch other people play Kerbal. It drives me crazy. I want to get in there and try that. Yeah, I can see that. Now, I don't run with that kind of drive. I like to experience challenging things, mm-hmm. but I never I never uh, butt my head against that whole, well, I've got to finish this. And a game, like, Bennett Fade is not taunting me about not completing his game like he is you. It's a different thing. Yes. For the two of us, the way we look at how games should be completed. I complete games because I enjoy, you know, finishing a story or or uh, solving a problem. But fighting a repetitive challenge, not usually my thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, here, I've, I'm going to quote myself one more time and then I will stop quoting myself. But, uh, you know talking about dark souls i say however i think that while it was poorly phrased the community reaction of get good is not wholly wrong it is possible to feel oneself improve in dark souls it's possible to feel oneself improving in the game that we're talking about now getting over it and that beyond the character's own improvements of leveling up and that's why i think getting over it is so much better and we'll talk about that in a second but Mm -hmm. that is frankly a meaningful thing in any other hobby challenge is considered a worthwhile bar to surpass to get into that hobby um, like a guitar player can learn a couple songs and stop, but chances are you're going to want to learn a third and eventually be challenged. Um, you know, French cuisine, cooking French cuisine is a completely different skill set from cooking Chinese food. And, you know, if you want to become good at multiple styles of cooking, you're going to have to practice and learn. And I think video games are the same way. And I think what's really, really great about getting over it, the thing that makes getting over it and, and, and athletics uh, or quap as, as most people know it, uh, similar, there is no character in the way that there is in a game like Dark Souls, uh, which is another game that people like to hold up as that sort of bastion of difficulty and and that that makes you want to get good at it. You know, in Dark Souls, you level up. Your character gets better. He gets stronger. He has better stats. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen in Getting Over It. Getting Over It, you have a guy in a cauldron with a hammer. Yep. And that is all you've got. The only way you are going to make any progress is by you figuring out what is happening and you figuring out how you have to climb up this mountain and realizing that, oh, the hammer swings at different speeds the way if I do it like this, or, oh, I can push down with the hammer to sort of pop myself up into the air, or, oh, I can catch myself and hang on this thing and use that to, like, flip myself upwards. And the only way you make progress is by getting by you as a player getting better. Yeah. And I think there is something fundamental about that that isn't in a lot of video games. And I think that's, you know, a lot of what Bennett Foddy is trying to say. You know, Bennett Foddy very clearly has a statement that he is making in this game. Mm-hmm. Very clearly. <clears throat> um, and I think that is a large part of it, which is most games are designed to be beatable. They yeah. say, here's what you've got. You know, here's what we got. We're going to try to make sure that you get through it. And Quop and Getting Over It are both fine with saying, you know what? I've I've gone up 500 feet. I've gone f- or I've run 45 meters. 
And you can stop and walk away and never see the last 60 meters. Like, you can walk away from it and nobody will think any less of you. But you'll know. Hmm. And I think that's a that's a big thing about uh, one of the major things about this game as well um, is the fact that especially with with getting over it, there's a conversation that's going on between you and the designer. Yeah, yes. In that your response is to keep going. Yes, that's your response. And I will... he, he he talks to you the entire time about his reasoning for designing the game, mm-hmm. what he wants to do with it, and he even congratulates you as you advance in the game for yep. getting as far as you do, and. It's kind of interesting in that he he tempers he tempers the difficulty of the game not with ways of making it easier but with congratulations and support yeah. in a way that games don't usually do. And I and conversely also with mockery and trolling and laughing at you sometimes. Well, I think that's that's the funny thing about that is is I think it's an exercise in in mockery and trolling. It's not like trolling for the sake of the fun of trolling, but no. trolling as as like, encouragement. Well, not even as an as encouragement, but like as as an exercise. It's like like I don't know. Um, testing the effects of morphine on on people. Scientists who did testing on animals, they did terrible things to learn what things True. did to other things. In a way, that's the same thing. I, I was gonna say it's sort of like a like a like a trainer. Like if you know if you're boxing, if you're boxing and you get punched in the face a few times. You know, or, your or, your or, trainer's not going to be like, oh, are you feeling bad? He's going to be like, stop letting him hit you in the face, exactly. you idiot. Or, 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 like, or, or even like a drill – like I think a drill sergeant is one that a lot of people have, have at least an idea of how they work even if they've never actually it, experienced it. it. In, a, in a way, it's tempering you. Yeah, it's making you stronger. Like, oh, I'm so sick of him being – of him babying me. I'm not going to let him do that to me again. Yeah. Um, And it, it makes – but that's the thing. Like the other thing about it is – like it also is, like I said, I mean, there it pushes you on, but also the fact that you know that you can walk away anytime and nobody will think any less of you, mm-hmm. and you can say, "Look, I'm I made it up that mountain six hundred feet." You know, it's like if I go out for a walk right now. I mean, we live in an area with very high mountains, and mm-hmm. I could go, I could go to Mount Washington, and I could walk up Mount Washington if I wanted to, and I could say, "Hey, you know what? I walked three thousand feet up Mount Washington," and I could stop. And I could come back down and I could say to you, hey, I walked 3,000 feet up Mount Washington. And you're not going to say, oh, you loser. You're going to say, hey, that's pretty cool. Mm. I mean, I didn't make it to the top, but 3,000 feet up Mount Washington ain't nothing, ain't, ain't too shabby. A lot of people would look at that thing and say, I'm not climbing that. That's really high. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that that's the same with this game. Outside of, say, certain YouTube personalities who are playing it because they feel that they have to play every current fad game that is out. Which I think is actually the person that Benefani wanted to hurt when he created this game. Absolutely. Well, I, I think there are two kinds of people that he wanted to hurt. There are the people like me. the pe- like. But when he says he wants to hurt people like me, I don't think he means it in a malicious way. He just knows because he is that kind of person. He made, he made this game to push you to your limit, and he, he knows that's painful. Right. There are people like me who he did, he did that to push to our limit, and he knows that that is hard because that is how real life works, that pushing yourself is hard. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people like your YouTube personalities that he made because he specifically wanted to scoff at and mm-hmm. mock. Um, and those people he's trying to hurt in a very different way of, I think you guys are pathetic, or your viewers are pathetic, and I'm not 100% sure which. Um, but yes, clearly, clearly he is not a fan of YouTube personalities. Yeah, there, um, let's there, players. There's some very clear statements in this about uh, the consumption of media. 
Yeah. And um, how he thinks can, in... I believe one of his quotes is, you can make you can make media, or you can make culture out of trash, but only trash culture. Yeah, something to that. Yeah. Effect. Yeah. And everything is consumable, and once it's consumed, it's consumed for good. Yes. And so there's a lot of, like, uh, as he put it, I think there's a lot of discarded content on like youtube and stuff that never gets seen again because yeah. once it's it's viewed once it's once it's gone through its cycle it's just it's people screaming into the void that nobody wants to watch in the first place exactly and it's really yeah it's it, it's kind of sad when you think about it that it way. really is and in some ways like the fact that this game has gotten the attention that it has is almost is almost a counter argument but not really because obviously this like it's a game it is literally a game made out of trash assets that he pulled off of like Unity or whatever. But it is clearly not a tr- like it is not a trash game. Like it it is clearly considered. It is thought through. It is like I have seen people saying that the that the game's mechanics are just bad and not well thought out, but they clearly aren't. Like there is clearly I think there is clearly game, a skill to this game. I think that this game is actually a very well-crafted piece of psychology. Yes. Is what it is. Yeah. And that like the mechanics may seem broken to someone because they're they are not normal, and he plays with not normal. Yeah. He does it all the time. He did it with Quop. Yeah. Uh, his ideas are always to explore uh, different ways of interfacing with games. But but what it isn't. And oh. it, well, and he analyzes or he mm-hmm. thinks about how that affects the player. So yes, the mechanic that handles a hammer seems a little off and broken, but that's part of the challenge, and that was intentional. Right. But it's also, but see, I was I was gonna I was gonna contrast another game that I that I think you and I both enjoy, but don't necessarily like, which is Surgeon Simulator, which is another game that has mm-hmm. that same sort of we're gonna make you do something wacky and ridiculous with tools that are clearly not designed for that job. You know, in one case, it's climbing up a mountain with a hammer. In the other case, it's Surgeon Simulator. It's you are you are doing surgery with one hand that you are controlling with the mouse and the keyboard. Like each finger is a different press on yeah. the keyboard. And that is a game that, well, there's like, a- I find it fun to play, but that is clearly, that is clearly made as a quote-unquote joke. And getting over it is clearly not a joke. Like, that, like, every, like, the physics on that hammer and the physics on the way that he behaves are clearly planned and well, and thought out, and, and clearly tuned. a lot of tuning went into the, like, well, that's, that so game, that's, like, you're kind of been rambling, so sorry. you're gonna let me actually put in the okay. original thing. Because um, I was actually going to agree with okay. a lot of what you just said there. In that there, there is a difference in the intent in both those mm. games. In Surgeon Simulator, the entire point is to laugh at the incredulity yes. of of that kind of disjointed handling. Whereas Bennett Foddy, again, it's very much a an exercise yeah. in mobility in an unusual way. Everything that he he does is is kind of like a way of exploring yeah. methodologies rather than just laughing at yes. It's not something that's supposed to be consumed, laughed at, and thrown away. It's supposed to be something that makes you think yeah. and consider what is actually being said. And, and, I, and I have seen several people compare it to uh, uh, Surgeon Simulator or to Octo uh, Octodad. Mm. And those, those kind of frustrate me because I don't think... I like, am bread! Or I, or I am bread. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, like... All three of those games, I think, are, are interesting, if not necessarily, like, fun, if not necessarily enjoyable. But, like, I, I, I think that is doing this game a disservice. Like, I think that is an insult to this game, to compare that to the... Like, in a lot of ways, this game is closer to Super Meat Boy. 
um, mm-hmm. in in the way that it pushes you, and and even in some of the ways that it sort of mocks you or yeah. or or encourages you. Yeah. Again, I, I mocking. I don't like to use that term because it's not quite the nature. Let's say of needling. Uh, needling is probably more appropriate. Yeah. It, it's definitely not to make fun of you, but to again make you think, yeah. make you react, make you respond. Yeah. In, in an intelligent way. Yeah, to make you to make you to to annoy. It is definitely there to annoy or irritate you, but it is not necessarily there to make fun of you. Yeah, it's more of a driving. Yes, factor. and that's a it's a it is a subtle but very very crucial distinction. Yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 I have felt it like the first time you f- you slide halfway down the mountain and you get going down the road feeling bad. I was like, <laughs> but. The very first thing I did was immediately start climbing because I'm like, I am not going to let this stupid song beat me. <laughs> um, you know, anytime I have quit that game, it is at the top of a hill, not at the bottom. Yeah, actually, I made that a point as well. If I ever, I did my best not to quit after falling. No. I, I, when I fell, fell, I was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. But I got to get back to where I was yep. before I can quit. The, the only time that I have done it was the most recent time I played just because my arm literally started hurting so bad that I could not move the mouse anymore. And I'm like, well, I don't want to stop here, but I literally cannot get back up the mountain, so I'm going to stop here. Mm. Um, but yeah, outside of that, it's like, I I don't want to go out on... I don't want to go out on the bottom. I want to go out on top. I want to get back, even not if as high as I can get, I'm not going to... I'm not going to have the the indignity of losing of leaving on a loss, mm-hmm. and I think there is something to that. And I think this game, you know, when I think about difficulty, like for me, a lot of what difficulty means is standing in front of the thing that I want to see. Like when I think of Dark Souls, and I put this in my article, like. I have never seen An Orlando. I have heard that it is a beautiful section of that game. I want to see it. Like there is an ending to getting over it that I have not seen, and they and he specifically says you should not watch this unless you have personally made it this far. In fact, I want to see it. In fact, if I recall correctly, uh, when you reach that completion point before it actually shows you that ending, yeah, there's a there's a block that says, "Are you streaming this? Yeah, if you're streaming this, you cannot go any further." Uh, no, you still can. It just says, please don't. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I guess technically speaking. And and most people respect that. So it's very yeah. hard to actually find the ending on, yeah. on YouTube or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I am actually curious now that I know that Markiplier has played it, whether he did, because I know that he had quite a bit of distaste for that game. So he might possibly have done it just out of contempt. But maybe not. I don't know. Um, like I said, I have not watched all of his video because watching it kind of actually was disconcerting there after a while for me. I, I was not enjoying watching him not enjoying himself. Um, that is an interesting thing, especially when it comes to like, um, uh, watching people play games. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a funny fine line that you bring up because like you do watch people and there's, there's like people who are facing a challenge and having yep. a lot of difficulty getting by. And there's always that fine line where it's like, oh, okay, now it's just uncomfortable watching this. Well, excuse me, they're, they're, watching this. Especially with people like, let's say, Markiplier or your PewDiePie's or your couple other. I don't. I haven't actually watched all that much PewDiePie or Markiplier for that matter. But there, there are these people out there who have sort of made, let's say, they're they're sort of like the the video game version of reaction videos, where they 
overplay any time that they are upset. Mark Markiplier is one of those guys. Like, you can tell when he's pretending to be upset most of the time. Like, oh, boo-hoo-hoo-hoo, they're not fair. I so don't weird. think we want to call out Markiplier or another YouTuber about being um, excessively... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not, I'm not necessarily, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying this in a bad way. I'm just saying. I know, but you're, you're going to get a negative response from a statement like that. I'm just saying. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm okay. I'm just, he's, he is an example of, of, of one of the ones that I know does this. PewDiePie does it. There are, there are several people out there who, you know, they pretend to be more upset than they are. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying there are people out there. I mean, that's their shtick. They pretend that they're doing, you know, angry video game nerd. Like, mm-hmm. their whole thing is they're pretending to be way more frustrated and upset than they actually are. Because that's funny to watch. Mm-hmm. But there are also times, and I've seen it in Angry Video Game Nerd videos, and I've seen it in Markiplier when he was playing Get it, Getting Over It, where you could tell that there was a moment that this is not them playing around anymore. They are actually legitimately frustrated. And that's not fun to watch. Like, that's not fun. That was fun for some people to watch. That was not fun for me to watch. I genuinely started to feel bad for the poor guy. And I don't, I don't like that feeling, but some people do. Um, but that's, that's sort of what I mean is it's like, I, I enjoy watching people who are pretending to be upset. I don't like people who are actually genuinely upset. That's, that's sad. Um, and I think there's a fine line in this game as well between that sort of thinking you're frustrated. I mean, I did it when I was streaming that thinking you're frustrated and thinking you're not frustrated. And this game really rides that line quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've definitely had moments where I thought I was not all that mad. And looking back, I was like, oh, no, I was actually really, really getting frustrated with this section. Yeah. Um, but I think that's also true of a lot of, you know, we, we, we talked about this the last time we talked about difficulty. There is that really fine line between a game that can make you say, I'm not good at this game. I need to get better. And this game is not good. I need to get rid of it. Like, I think per- Prince of Persia is a really good example where the running and the jumping in Prince of Persia, I always feel is fair. And I'm just, you know, I might not see where to go. I might not be good enough to do the jumps, but I always feel like it is playing fair with me. If I'm doing it right, I can mm-hmm. get through it. When I get to the combat sections, I feel like I'm just overwhelmed, but I don't have the ability to do what I need to do to deal with those combats. Conversely, Batman Arkham Asylum is a game where in combat, I always feel like I have the tools to do what I need to. But sometimes when I'm maneuvering around the world, I don't. Right. And, And that's fair. You can't make every game perfect. Like, not every game can have the perfect mechanical... But, uh, you know, the, the, the perfect uh, mechanical um, fidelity of something like Super Meat Boy or Spelunky. Like, not every game can do that. But there is definitely that difference between a game that makes you feel, this is fair, I want to get better, and this is unfair, I want to stop. Right. And I think that's really hard to see the difference sometimes. Oh, yeah. I, I, I definitely, I've definitely seen that in a lot of games. And it's kind of a hard place to be because mm-hmm. sometimes, because there's always going to be that, that situation where you're just like this game is impossible it's absolutely horrible and you have to like take a step back and say is it horrible or am i just bad at it and maybe it's okay that i'm bad at it or and sometimes it's like no it's not that i'm bad at it it's just it's bad oh sorry go ahead it's 
it's a very weird line that mm. always is like I don't I don't like when I hear people say this game is terrible just because they're not good at it. Right. But at the same time, I feel like that happens to me sometimes where you just like this game's awful. You can't get anywhere in right. these situations. And and the question is 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 it because it's poorly designed or is it just because I'm doing something wrong? And and sometimes saying, "Hey, like you know, if somebody asked me, hey, should I play Dark Souls? I would probably tell them no, unless they are a specific kind of, like me, broken person that needs that in their life, that mm-hmm. needs that push back. And, you know, or Toho, or getting over it. Like, I would, like, if somebody asked me, is that a good game? I would say no. I would not say it's a bad game, but I would not say it is a good game necessarily. It is a very. It is a very specialized game. It is not a game that everybody should play or everybody's going to want to play. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, at some point that makes reviewing, you know, I'm glad we don't do reviews anymore because it's really hard to say if I was reviewing this game, would I say buy it or not? I don't know. But I know that to me it speaks on a very personal level. I think to you it's, you know, when when you were talking, I actually had a perfect example of that very, very fine line that I think you and I can both agree on which is clown piece from toho 15 Uh yeah where i on the first time i've played against that boss which is the fifth boss of one of the toho games who has these giant moons that she swings around and that you have to like duck behind to avoid her bullet patterns like the first time i came across her i'm like this is it this is unfair i cannot do this this is impossible like, this isn't even, I'm bad, this is just a crappy boss and I'm done. Mm-hmm. But after playing against it for a while, I'm like, no, there is actually very, very clearly a skill to this. There is very clearly timing. There's a pattern that, that <coughs> you can see. It's just, you have to take the time to, to pick it out in to, all the chaos. Yeah, and then it's like, I can't do it every time, but I'm sure there are people out there who can. I'm still not necessarily going to say that it is a completely fair boss, but I'm going to say it is a lot more fair than I originally thought it was. And I think that's a really good example of that sort of initial, you know, if you would ask me that day whether that game was fair, I would have said, heck no. Mm-hmm. But after going through it 10 or 15 or 20 or 50 times, I said, yeah, all right, this game's okay. I don't want to play it ever again, but this game's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, once you finally... What, you beat that one, right? I beat it twice. Um, but I, I do think that is that is definitely a thing, is sometimes it takes time. Um, you know, I mean, I think we could all sit... You know, I think everybody could sit down and think of, oh, these are the games that are fair, you know. Shadow of the Colossus, Dark Souls, Ico, those kinds of... I will actually say, I think if you really want to come down to it, the things that feel most fair to me are things where running and jumping is involved versus combat. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And I can't tell if that's just because I'm bad at combat or I'm just, and I'm pretty good at platforming or if it's because platforming feels more fair because it's static. I think the staticness of it definitely would help. You know, there's a lot of games out there where, where platforming is, is required. Um, on the other hand, and maybe it's also because we've played so many platformers that we can tell when the platforming mechanics are messed up. Well, I mean, oh, we say that, but then at the same time, there are some platformers out there. I think it's it's probably a lot easier to refine platforming to a point That's where true. it's not brutal. Yeah. Uh, but there are, like, platforms out there that have really bad, like, edge 
catching recognition and stuff like no, that. Well, that's what I mean. Like, we, but with those, we've played so many that we can immediately say, oh, this game is, we can say this game is broken. Oh, yeah. When it comes to being able to recognize where, where the problems are. Yeah. yeah. Definitely with something like that. With combat games, it's a little more difficult because there are always those, those situations that sometimes can seem unfair. Like, yeah. say, interrupts in combat. Yeah. Um, we're being be... surrounded by guys. Oh, uh, I don't, I still don't play those types of games like 99 nights and, um, Oh yeah. What's the one that, the they did a Zelda version of it. Um, legends. No. What is that? One? Oh, uh, um, um, uh, dynasty warriors. Yeah. I don't really like those types yeah. of games because, um, I was, I was even thinking like, uh, I mean, even like Prince of Persia or shadows of Mordor or Batman yeah. where you're just surround ringed by dudes. Yeah, and it's always like you got to kind of keep a peripheral vision out to yeah. catch the guy who's going to throw the punch behind you. Exactly. And it's and those are like also unrealistic and kind of stupid. Kind but. of unrealistic. I mean, if I was if I was fighting 15 dudes, I would assume they would all attack me at about the same time. Yeah, that's quite often. But the reality is, if I was fighting 15 dudes, I also probably wouldn't come out of that winning. Which is probably why, you know, which is probably the unrealistic part. Well, I mean, a skilled fighter would know uh, that you use completely different techniques when you're True. fighting large crowds. Because then you go for, like, causing as much damage to as many people as you can. Well, you also go for a lot of knockdowns. Yeah. But but even still, like, I I think even the best fighters in the world, like, first of all, the be- most of the best fighters in the world are either boxers or MMA fighters, which are not really designed for multiple, for fighting multiple people. Yeah. But even, like... You know, your Bruce Lee's, your Jackie Chan's, your Jet Li's, your, you know, your really good martial artists. I believe they have said before that, like, you know, when you start getting out more than four, maybe five guys, there's still a pretty good chance you may not survive. Yeah. Like, you you still, like, four or five, you're on even footing. Much more than that, and you're probably in serious trouble. And a lot of those games, like, work with that Especially premise. with knives. Uh, well, yeah, knives or other things. Uh, especially with those games, the premise is always, like, uh, trying to give you this, uh, this feeling of being able to take down multiple characters. But if it's done poorly, it can be just as frustrating. Exactly. And and actually, maybe that is... maybe I do wonder how much of that is, you know, coming back to that feeling, that thing of mechanics versus tone. Like, how much of that is that you know, Dark Souls and getting over it and a lot of these games, you know, and even Nier Super Meat Boy. And, well, no, Nier Automata is, I, I would not say is one of those get good kind of games. But mm. I, I mean, how much of, of those games where it is, you know, primarily skill driven are because the worlds themselves feel kind of brutal and punishing. Like Dark Souls is a dark, ugly world with horrifying creatures that are 10 times your size you know getting over it is you and this giant mountain of stuff yeah super meat boy is you in this horrifying dark hospital Mm. getting saw blades chucked i think i think uh it's not as much as you would think because there's still a lot of there's lots of games with with uh brutal tone true that are nowhere near as difficult no, but, I think it, it doesn't help. But do they? But do they? Do, but does the fact that it doesn't make you feel like have to feel empowered help? Like when Batman gets crushed, I feel much more upset because Batman should always win. Like Batman doesn't lose. That's not how it works. But in Dark- I still remember from one of the, I think it was Sands of Time, yeah. Prince of Persia. Whenever you died, you, the the storyteller would be like, No, 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 no. That's not how that. Happened. Yeah, like I, actually, I think Sands of Time does it well. But Sands of Time also never felt unfair to me. 
Yeah, that's in true. a way that a lot of the uh, like the later Prince of Persia games totally do, uh, mm-hmm. like Two Soul or Warriors Within or whatever it was, like definitely felt unfair a lot. Like it just felt you got ringed by dudes and the, but like you know when I'm playing Batman Arkham Asylum, if Batman dies, I feel cheated because Batman doesn't lose. Yeah, you know, whereas you know when you're playing Bed at Foddy, you know when you're playing Getting Over It, like, well, there's that expectation. I'm of just Sally. a dude. There is an expectation of failure, yeah. so it makes it it makes it easier to handle it to a certain extent. Maybe, maybe maybe some of that is the problem is that constant power fantasy. But the reality is that's what a lot of people want, and I think you know that is very clearly what Bennett Foddy is talking against is is the what is is among, well, what, along with YouTube. Say is the victory is delicious, kind yes. of thing. Is that that just, success is delicious? Success is delicious, and and that. Uh, by just giving it to people all the time, it actually dilutes yes the power of success. I think I think that's actually a really good argument. And yeah, I, I agree too. Because um, I mean, like look at look at a game like Mario. Yep. In that, when you throw out most of like the new one, Mario Odyssey, it's very easy to collect the moons. Some of them. Some of well, I, most of them, yeah. the, the the ones that uh, allow you to win the game. So like 300 moons right. about is what I got by the time I was done with the actual storyline part of the game. But there's like 60 in every level. It's insane. Uh, there's, uh, I think, something like 800 moons total in the entire game. Yeah, exactly. So when, uh, and that's the great thing about that though, is 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 not all the moons are easy to get. No. <laughs> and so there's, there's uh, balancing. They give you a taste for success. Yeah. They let you see how delicious it actually is, and then they start slowly ramping up the difficulty on each. Although I will say, I mean, for me, some of the most delicious part, and I have not, like, I've even, I've started going back to some of the earlier levels trying to get more moons, but, I mean, I'm still having, struggling, I I mean, I'm still just about doing, I'm, I'm probably on the path for 300 right now, but, like, some of those moments of, like, oh, man, I just found this whole area, and it's super hard, was really delicious, but I've also had places where I've had to walk away and like, I'll come back to this later because I can't do this right now. This is way too hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 like you said, it's it's a really interesting balancing act because, you know, like I said, I'm fairly good at uh, platformers. Better at 2D, not so good at 3D. Mm-hmm. But even, you know, even I've had some points where I'm just like, that is, I don't even think that's possible. Oh, no. Okay. I guess it is. Um, yeah, some of the timed ones. And yeah. it's it's really interesting, though, because I never get a sense of unfairness from Mario. No. Uh, no. I, I, I mean, I, you run across the ones where you where you go, how on earth do you do that? Yeah. But, like, even, like, there was one particular one, um, I think it was in the dinosaur world, uh, where I was going back, and I was doing the races. Mm-hmm. And I could not be... There's, like, I think three different stages to that race. I think it was the second one I was on. And I was like, I could not keep up. And it, and I knew the entire time that the problem was is I was not good enough with doing most of the special jumps. Right. I'm, I'm always really bad at those. I was like, I know if I practice for, like, five hours yep. on doing these jumps, I can do this. And, like, I'm not going to be able to do this. So yeah. I just... I perfected moving fast in a straight line and did the whole S curve instead of jumping up the walls. And I was nice. able to barely beat them. I don't think I finished the third one because I don't think I, any way I can. Yeah. It's just, it's just frustrating. But, but I know that the reason, the point of failure there is me. Right. And I'm okay with that. And, and, and yeah. And I, and I do feel that way in a lot of those kinds of games of the platformers and the racing games and the sports games 
are mm-hmm. like that. And it, it really is, I think, when you start getting into first person shooters, action adventure games, you know, your 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 dark well not your dark well, even some of your dark souls sometimes, but like your Far Cries, your uh, Prince of Persia's, your Shadows of Mordor, those kinds of games that it really, really start to notice where when a game feels unfair. Oh, Hollow Knight even sometimes. Yeah, where certain situations are just... Impossible. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know. Do we have any more to say about that? I'm not sure. I think some of the difficulty... Was- I, I do... Coming back to it in this context, I know we, we've, we've talked before about your, your feelings that saying that you know, narrative pathing games are cheapening games. And I don't agree with that. But I do wonder if coming back Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. Or or, or, or removing the that that the removing difficulty from games that I said that you, you were saying that, that when I said that we should not remove difficulty from games, that I think that games that don't have any difficulty involved, you know, are feel oh, less right. Are, are less enjoyable for me. Coming back to that in the context of success being delicious. I think is sort of what I was trying to get at when I was talking about that, when we were talking about that in the narrative mm-hmm. pathing games is there's no challenge. So you're guaranteed success. And I do wonder if that is some of why those have become so popular as people are, you know, in the same way that in the, in, in the same way that for a certain mechanics loving kind of person, uh, cookie clicker and games like that, where you just get to see numbers getting I, bigger. I think that's apples and oranges to be honest, because Narrative pathing games to me, and this is this is kind of an argument against it, uh, against them actually being games. Right. Well, I think that, we've agreed that part is that they they don't they don't offer real success. You mm. you enjoy the experience of whatever the All story right. is, but you don't get to an end of a narrative pathing game. And go, wow, I won this, yay! Because there is nothing to win. You just went from point A to point B, and anyone who's anybody knows that's not the point of it. True. So there's no success to earn. It's just uh, completing, consuming the experience that was presented for you. It's it's a difference between I don't know uh, uh all right let, let me rephrase that slightly then. Is it po- could rather than saying that that coming at it from the success is delicious, could we come at it from the this is the what's the term? The eventual the logical conclusion of the Call of Duty. The we have put we have removed you know Call of Duty removes so many obstacles. It's basically just a narrative pathing with obstacles in front of it. Mm-hmm. If you remove all the obstacles, you get a narrative pathing game. I yeah. do wonder you know so success, no, you not that not the success is delicious part, but I do wonder if that that's sort of what I mean when like I wonder if he person if if Bennett Foddy is specifically talking about games like that as well and not just like I wonder if the, uh, no. I wonder if that is why they've become so popular. No. Actually, I think. I think it is a different aspect and it has mm. nothing to do with success. Okay. It's the actual euphoria. And I think this is something we should discuss. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's the Skinner box euphoria trap. Okay. In that um, a lot of these games are now cashing in on getting things, skins, yeah. uh, new guns, stuff like that. And that uh, that's why loot boxes are a big deal now. Yeah. Why they're cause, cause it, it, it latches on to the part of the brain that likes just getting free stuff. Yep. And and there's more to it than just that specifically. But that whole idea of like uh, earning whenever you play, yep. you're not just like 
you're not enjoying the credit of winning in a shooter, which is so trite now that everyone recognizes that success in any yeah, online I mean, it's, shooter. It's is, similar to the achievement thing. Yeah, but <clears throat> the the earning of loot alongside of that True. gives it an extra level of appeal and, and actually kicks off endorphins in the brain. But think about if you could get all of that loot without actually ever having to shoot anybody. Think about if you could just do Cookie like, clicker, right? No, like if you could just like walk to the next story place and then get cool loot. Oh well, that would just be terrible. But like every like work. if every time you went through a door in Stanley Parable, if you got loot, I think you get cards in the Steam for doing that. Well, those are just the trading cards. Yeah, I know, but same idea. Well, you only get those. I mean, you get those just play times. So imagine. Like so you're saying like if you were to play Call of Duty, but you didn't actually shoot people, and then you like compl- get to the. Other I mean, end. if you had a narrative pathing game where every time you stopped and listened to a conversation, you got free loot. Think about how popular that game would be. We should try that. We just like flip flopping. We were talking about stuff in the previous one, and this time we're actually pitching a game idea. Apparently, apparently. So this is our this is our this pitch. is this is our this is our game idea to completely destroy video games. Because yeah. that's, I mean, at some point, that is literally a Skinner box. Yeah. At its most basic, walking <sighs> into a room and getting I mean, well, loot. I mean, Cookie Clicker is at its most basic, also a Skinner box. Mm. So at some point, it's, you walk into a room, you press a button to play, to turn on Cookie Clicker, you get free loot, you walk back out of the room, you hear somebody say a sentence, you walk back into the room, you press the button to start up another game of Cookie Clicker. Or, or, or to pat somebody on the back to tell them to play Cookie Clicker this is, for this you. Is, this is getting too complicated. So it's it's a game where you walk into a room, you tell somebody to play Cookie Clicker, you walk back out. And then you hear why, them. Why does Cookie Clicker have to be involved in this again? Because it's a Skinner box. Um, so it's so you're basically automating Skinner boxes. No, what you need is a Skinner box pyramid scheme. So what you have to do is actually play this game to get five of your friends to play Cookie Clicker <laughs> for you. Which will get you points in the cookie clicker points in this game, which you get for a loot box, and then you have to spend five dollars of real money to unlock the loot box, which gives you ten more tokens, which you have to give to ten more of your friends to play cookie clicker, which will give you more cookie clicker points. No, see the problem. The problem, Luke, is you're trying to make a game that will actually make you money. I'm trying to make a game that will destroy society. No, I wasn't even thinking about money. Well, I mean, both of these will destroy society. True, but yours requires way more work. Mine is literally, True. you're walking in, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, at some point, like, at some point when you combine a game like, a, a, a game like Cookie Clicker with a game like Stanley Parable, I feel like you have, the rabbit has eaten itself and you have literally destroyed video games. Because it's Woo-hoo. numbers going up versus with, with, with narrative just playing out, requiring no challenge, and you're getting free loot and achievements. Like TV. that is all the that is all of the grossest parts of video games all rolled into one game. That is true. Speaking of the grossest parts of video games rolled into one game, mm-hmm. what have you been playing recently, Luke? Not much. Okay. Um, unfortunately, uh, since we got back from the board game convention, I haven't really played anything. Wow. I've been playing a lot in the last few weeks, actually. Um, well, you got your Switch. I got my Switch. So I've been playing some Super Mario Odyssey. I've actually been playing less of that than I thought I was going to. I had figured that would be the game that... 
Uh, I figured that would be the game that, that would get to me, but uh, actually Dragon Quest Builders is the game that has just keeps pulling me away. And it's, you know, we've talked before, I don't like Minecraft, so it's really surprising to me that this game is speaking to me as much as it is. Well, I, I take that back. After I visited, after we did the, the thing. After you helped me move my elliptical. That's what happened. Yeah. I knew it was something like that. So Josh and I moved an elliptical. That was fun. I'm taking pictures for no good reason here. It was heavy. Yeah, it was very heavy, and um, we both had hernias, but they're better. We've sucked them back in. Um, <laughs> so, and then we, we hung out, and he actually showed me um, Dragon, Dragon Quest. Quest Builders, which now I want a lot. That game is really interesting. I can't necessarily I say I'm even enjoying it, but I've played like 30 hours of it. Uh, that That's a joy. This is, this is just as bad as Amy with Sticker Star. She hates Sticker Star. Yeah. She she hates the idea that this is supposed to be a Mario uh, RPG pa- title, yeah. right? Paper Mario, yeah. It, it's supposed to be a Paper Mario title. She dislikes it to the nth degree. She's beaten it five times. <laughs> well, that's a little bit. I, but, uh, for, for me, it's, it's, it's not so much that. It's the... It's the classic Minecraft thing of it's like, I'm not necessarily enjoying it in any given moment. Like, I'm just like, well, I'm just going to plop a bunch of bricks down here. All right, whatever. Oh, I'm going to go out and like combat isn't all that exciting. And a lot of what you're doing is just putting down blocks, which in and of itself is not fun, but it's satisfying. And I'm building towns for people to come hang you know, out I, with. I was, I was thinking about this a little bit. And one of the things I think that actually works about this game is uh-huh. the fact that it kind of cuts back on the scale. It kind of forces you to work in a certain region yeah. when you're building the town, which is kind of nice. And until you get to the Terra Incognita, in which case you could build everywhere, but you can only have 12 people in your town. So. Yeah. So, I mean, like uh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, although- also, also speaking of Terra Incognita, I, uh, the first creature I came across was a tiger cub that you can, was a tiger that you can ride and it slashes its claws and it can knock things down and it runs really, really fast. It's awesome. Oh, I guess there's a ton in Terra Incognita that we haven't actually checked out. Oh, there's a ton of stuff in there, yeah. Oh, I did actually play um, the Kirby demo for about five seconds. I played, I played a couple minutes of that. I'm not a big fan. I've never really been been into Kirby. Oh, I love but... I love most of the Kirby. Like uh, Canvas Curse is probably so, my favorite. Uh, did you have a problem with the fact that it's like like forced four player the entire time? Well, you can play it solo. I just I thought there was too much no, going well, on I for meant, me to keep track I meant of. Like because there's like three other characters, yeah. CPU characters when you're playing first. It person. is just there's first so player. much there's so much going on. Like oh, this guy can set this your sword on fire if you have these two guys, but. Like, yeah, I can't, I don't have any control over them. And it's like, oh, I want to grab. The, oh, he's already killed that thing. All right. I guess I won't grab it. Yeah. There's just too much going on. It's, it's, it's too hectic for me. Uh, I was seeing that that might be a possibility. I don't know yet whether or not I'm going to like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirby games. I mean, they're, they're gorgeous. They're really nope. fun. There's a lot that's, that's good about them, but I've never been quite something uh, I've been into. I, I know my wife loves them. I, I liked, um, I kind of liked the one for the Wii. Um, they're all all, all of the Kirby games are super simple. Like, they're they're easy games. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's fun to have a game that's kind of easy and laid. Like, it's 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 a nice little, like, aperitif. You know, it's, it's you know, it's like the, it's the after, it's the after dinner mints of video games. Fantastic. I, uh. But this is, one feels way more complex. I did actually try to update my Kerbal Space program as I'm not going to be streaming yeah. anymore. I thought maybe I'd bring it up to date and see what happens. Completely broken. 
Um, half the mods are not up to 4.2 or 1.4.2, so yeah. I'm going to have to go back and probably start from scratch and probably. do a, like a new mod list and start. Yep. And then Pull up lock it. Can and, yep. Yeah. Uh, I also have played a little bit of um, Mario, and Ra- uh, Mario and Rabbids uh, Kingdom Battle. How do you like that? I haven't actually even... I've looked at it, <sighs> but I haven't I'll, I'll, I'll let it. you give it a little bit of a try after uh, after we record. Um. It is both more and less XCOM than I thought it would be. Yeah, I heard other people say that it was very XCOM, it's, it's, but really good. It's very, it's very simple. Um, it, it is much more simple XCOM, but it, it does a lot more with the movement stuff, which is kind of cool. I I like it. There are a few times where I found myself saying, you know, I would be a lot better able to do this thing if I had this ability that I had from XCOM. If it was a little more XCOM, right. but at the same time. It's cute, it's fun, it's colorful. I've said before, I've told you before, I love the Rabbids character as characters. Like they're just They're a lot of fun. Fun and goofy in a way that I, I can get behind. I still remember the first Raving Rabbids title that came yep. out for the Wii. And the one for the Wii is the great. Concept of, it's really adorable. Like Rabbids Go Home. Yeah, I don't think I played that one. Oh, Rabbids Go I Home is the one that I've seen. I haven't played any of them, but I absolutely adored the yeah. Rabbids when they came out for Raving Rabbids. Yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah, they're 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 cute, and I think I mentioned they're like French surrealist comedy, but in a, in a happy way, as opposed to most of them, which feel really dark. Okay, so uh, what are you looking forward to playing? Oh, I was actually going to say I have one other game that I did oh, want to talk okay, about real quick because we talked. I showed, or actually, two two games that I want to talk about real quick. Uh, I showed you, or I talked to you about Tyranny a little bit, mm-hmm. which is the game from uh, Obsidian Entertainment, the guys who did. Um, Fallout New Vegas and uh, a lot of the old, you know, they they they're they're old Black Isle guys, so they came from the Fallout, uh, Baldur's Gate lineage. Right, right. They're the one that's the one that's kind of like um... Tyranny. You are it's it's a it's an isometric game. You are playing as the bad guy. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, I need to play a little bit more of it. The one thing that I really hate about the game, the one thing I really, really hate about the game, is that Luke comparison feels backwards every time I try to figure out if I have something good equipped. Uh, I feel like they're always showing me the exact opposite of the one that I want to be looking at. Like, they're showing it to me in reverse. They're uh-huh. like, oh, the one you have equipped is better, where it should be showing me the one that I'm looking at, whether that one's better or not. Yeah, that's kind um, of crappy. It's, it feels backwards. Um, but, you know, it lets you play as, like, you know, it's sort of like that Mass Effect thing where you can be good versus renegade, but you never feel like you're being, you never feel like you're being a goody two-shoes namby-pamby guy, and you never feel like you're being an outright or at least I never have played as an outright monster, just like murdering. And I think you can, but you know, it lets you play sort of cranky without ever, without you know, it lets me play cranky without being full on hero. You know, I kind of like that. And I also showed you uh, Battle Brothers a couple days ago. Yeah, I I kind of like that game a lot. Um, it's a little too hard, I think, in some places. But it's, so it's basically like Mountain Blade with a little bit of a tactical war game right. yeah 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 um i i really like it in principle it is a little too hard for me but it is it's really very interesting. complex looking There's a lot of detail it's it, it is very complex but you know if you're that kind of person who kind who really likes tactical strategy games and you really like mountain blade i think it's, it marries enough of the two things you will like that you will enjoy it even if as as with me i will never beat that game but i will enjoy continuing to poke and prod at it and get a little bit further every time so speaking of so games that I am looking forward to, uh, I have a copy of the new Atelier game coming on Tuesday because mm-hmm. uh, I pre-ordered that for the Switch. 
Um, and this one, I think the, the unique thing about it is there are two female character main characters instead of just one. Uh, they've had a guy and a girl before, but they've never had two main female characters, as far as I know, that were playable. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. I love all the Atelier games. They're all kind of adorable. Um, and they're good. They're JRPGs that are themed around crafting in the same way that Reciteer is a JRPG that is themed around uh, shop ownership. So they're mm. they're they're fun little they're fun little trinkets. I will have to play a little bit more of it to see if I like it. Uh, so I'm still desperately waiting for Octopath Traveler to come out, but it should be coming out soon. There is it? Okay. Um, I should play the demo for that. And I saw that there is a Splatoon to. Oh, uh, cool. I hit the wrong button. How did I hit the wrong button? Yeah, I'd like to play Splatoon 2. I'm I'm not sure I want to play it $60 much, but I, I would like to play it at some point. Yeah, I think. is it still $60? No, the sad thing is... In, Nintendo first party games never go down in price. No, that's the problem. It's so annoying. Um, I've seen it down to like 45 on... Uh, or fi- I saw it down to 45 or 50 on Amazon, so if you keep an eye out, you might be able to get it for 40 yeah. at some point. But. Um, and the big thing, though, is they've, they're doing their next... Uh, they're doing a big expansion. Ah, uh, for another like 30, 20, 30 bucks. Oh, cool. But it's got this huge single player campaign. Built oh, neat. It. Okay. So uh, like they have a small campaign usually this one, uh, Splatoon 2 is no different, but this expansion is going to be something else that looks like it's going to be fun. You know what, you know what I would like to see them bring to the, to the switch that I think they could actually make the crossover pretty easily if they included a stylus in the, uh, in the package. Mm-hmm. Super Mario Maker. That'd be nice. I feel like like it's a per it's a perfect game for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could use you could use the, the the thingies or you could just draw right on the screen. Like yeah, that feels like a perfect game for the Switch. And it is a like it was my favorite. It was the reason I bought a Wii U. It was probably still my favorite game on the Wii U. Even though a lot of people a lot of people aren't good at making Mario levels. Uh, speaking speaking of games about puzzles. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the one thing that really bothered me about that is how hard it is to actually find good game um, yeah. levels on that. Yeah, no, you're not. Yeah. Well, it's the same as Portal. It's like so many people are just either. Like, I don't think people know what makes a good platformer. And, and like, that's one of those things where the argument, get good, kind of gets on my nerves. Because the people are like, oh, if you're not good at this game, then you're not good enough. And it's like. No, your level actually just stinks. Well, and that's what I was, yeah, and that's what I was sort of talking about when I said that I feel like you can tell. Yeah, like well, you, you can, can always... you can tell a badly designed platformer. Yeah, like uh, that that one guy ended up playing with uh, a while back on the portal level. Oh, he had yeah. made a custom designed level that kills the second person just so that he could have a laugh. Yeah, that was annoying. Although I think he let you play as the first player, right? Um. Well, he. Well, it's not the player. It's whoever oh. goes through the door second. Because oh. the first player triggers the laser trap. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I. I think that one. I think at least the fact that he let he 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 triggers it literally as a joke at the very end. So at least you get to play the level is funny. But yeah, I think that's a kind yeah. of cheap. But I mean, there was also that guy that like I remember that level where like you had to like. And now we're talking about the the mouthwash after the other stuff. But anyway, like I remember there was that one portal level. We're talking about a future episode. We're, we're, we're talking about stuff from a future episode at the end of the mouth of the, what are you playing part of the mouthwash that was about a different th- topic. But anyway. Yeah. How did we get here? Um, I go, I, I'm looking at cave story for the switch. I already, I already have three copies of it, so I don't <laughs> need a fourth copy. Yeah, I think I got two copies of that. I'm not sure if I'll get it. For I have, switch. I have it for the 3ds. I have it for the PC. I, I actually have the, the shareware version. And then I have it for the 3DS, and then I have the 
uh, official version for Steam. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I played that game like weeks after it first came out. I, I've i said before, and I'll say it again, that is probably one of the greatest indie games of all time. 10 out of 10 on Steam. Yeah. It's it's a bloody phenomenal game. Mm-hmm. Um, we should do our, for our six-month bonus, we should sit down and pick the best 10 games to come out in the last decade. Yeah, that's going to be a hard list to put together. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys ready? Oh, there it is. Here it is. We're about to do our closing info. Are you ready? Hold on. There we go. Ready? Hold on. If you have any questions, thoughts... Nope, nope, nope. Didn't do that right. Okay, okay. Let's do this again. Ready? If you have any questions, thoughts... Nope, 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 nope. We're, We're out of an hour, right. so how about we do this right? If you have any questions, thoughts, or pitch ideas, please send them to... Nope, nope. Let's try this again. If you have any questions, thoughts, or pitch ideas, he's really going to kill me over there. If this thing crashes, I'm going to punch you. Please send them to us at spitball se- spitball.sessions at gmail.com. You can check out our writing and other articles at spitballsessions.com. Uh, Josh has been putting out a few articles now, some interesting reading over there, including one of his la- last posts on difficulty. I also threw up some pictures uh, from the latest uh, board game. Uh, the Granite Games Summit in, in uh, Nashville. Which was fantastic. It was fun. Uh, go check out some of the pictures and some of the neat stuff that we saw. I only punched Luke twice. Uh, yeah. I'm going to have bruises. You can find <laughs> me at twitch.tv slash thedrell on occasion and at thedrell with ones for L's on... No, no. Sorry. At thedrell on YouTube. Uh, you can find my friend Josh here at twitch.tv slash koholos or at koholos on YouTube. Uh, so thanks again, Josh, for putting together this wonderful podcast of nonsense and notoriety. Yep. Uh, and I'd also like to thank Trevor for not being here today. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> and, uh, I keep saying that just because it's in our closing info. This is old old information. Yeah, like a and, year. And Trevor's still being thanked, but he's not editing the podcast anymore. So it just throws me off every time. So, Trevor, thank you for all the help that you've given us uh, getting this podcast off the ground. We love you, man. I'd like I'm to thank Josh for joining me, and I'd like to thank you all at home for listening to another exciting Spitball Session. Tune in next time. Till then, keep your feet in the batter's box and your eye on the ball. Because we're going to have another hot pitch coming your way. Thank you for joining us for yet another fun episode of Spitball Sessions. We hope you had a good time. Please pay attention as you exit the stadium to make sure that you're not run over by any cars, trucks, or other moving objects. If you'd like to contact us, you can drop us a line at spitball.sessions at gmail.com or on Twitter at spitballsession. Please leave us reviews on your podcasting platform of choice so that other people can help find the show. Remember, we can't do this without you. And come back in two weeks for the next exciting installment of the Spitball Session. Remember, only you can prevent bad games.